In the past several weeks, we've had a series of parables that Jesus used in the crowds to instruct not only his disciples, but also to send messages about the kingdom of God. Today's parable is one uh, that we kind of get a little explanation after it's concluded, that it's about the religious leaders. So Jesus tells this parable of a landowner who plants a vineyard, builds a watchtower, gets everything all set, and then leases out the land to tenants and goes to another country. At harvest time, the landowner sends servants to collect the produce, presumably to get the share of the crop yield that would rightly belong to the landowner. And we know how the story goes. The servants go, some are beaten, some are killed, and eventually the son is sent and he is killed as well. Now, the allegorical nature of this parable could be that God first makes a covenant with the people of God using Moses and all of the the teachings that we have in the Torah. That's not always followed, so then God sends prophets to remind God's people, and that doesn't quite work. And then Jesus himself, God himself, the very Son of God comes. And Jesus seems to be predicting, rightly, that he too will be rejected. Not just rejected in terms of his message wasn't received, but that he'll go to the cross, that he'll die. But that even though there's this rejection, Jesus says, even the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. I want to think a little bit about human rejection and this idea of of not only that Jesus rejected, but because of Jesus' rejection by the leaders and the crowds and even his own disciples at varying degrees uh, turned their back on Jesus, that God can take even death on the cross and turn it into victory, turn it into salvation. But rejection is hard. We were talking a little bit about this in our confirmation time this morning. The idea of what does it feel like to be rejected by a friend or to be, have someone turn their back on you that you counted on? If you experienced rejection, maybe you've applied for a job and didn't get it, or tried to get into that college of your dreams and they said, no, thank you, or asked someone out on a date and they rebuffed your request. Whatever it is, when we are rejected, it can be stinging, and we can start to believe about ourselves that maybe we aren't acceptable. Maybe there is something wrong with us. And sometimes words of rejection, when they're spoken to us, can cut to us so deeply that we hang on to them and start to believe that it's true. We experienced rejection. And if we believe those words about us, that can define our path. But as Jesus tells this parable, human rejection becomes the cornerstone. So he's quoting here, this is Matthew uh, 21, uh, he's quoting Psalm 118, saying, the, co- the stone that the builders rejected 
has become the chief cornerstone or become the cornerstone. In other words, it is the very rejection that God can build upon, that God, whatever human beings say about you, God can turn something bad into something good. God can bring hope where there's only despair, life where there's only been death. That becomes, that's Jesus. Jesus is that cornerstone, and I think that building analogy was great. And the cornerstone is also the thing put in first, and if you want to check this out, if you haven't seen it recently, but we have a cornerstone of our sanctuary just outside the doors, and you can see what was laid first, that cornerstone for Bethel for our future. And of course, Jesus is our cornerstone as well. Now, in the early church, uh, this idea of a cornerstone uh, became really important. In, in Peter, he wrote a letter, and he was talking about God's people uh, being part of this cornerstone. Uh, so, so Peter says, Come to him a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Think about what this is saying. This is saying Jesus was rejected and he becomes our cornerstone and you are to be like living stones that when we build our foundation, when we build our faith foundation upon the cornerstone that's already there, we help build up the kingdom of God. We start to build up a spiritual house. And, he, and then Peter uses this important phrase. Because whatever words of rejection you've had, whatever someone has said about you, what God's word says about you is so much more important. God says you are to be a royal priesthood. So you are all part of a priesthood of all believers as Luther would say. And what does that mean? What does it mean to say God's word about you is that you are a priesthood? Well, a priest is an intermediary between God and humanity. A priest is the bearer of the sacredness of God. And if part of what it means, what God says about us is that we're a royal priesthood, we are the bearers of God's presence in the world. The world may reject you, but what God says about you is you get to be the very hands and feet of Christ. You get to be the bearer of God through acts of kindness and mercy, hospitality, love, to bring hope into a world and light that so desperately needs it. You are all priests whatever the world may say about you. Jesus is the cornerstone, and when we build our life on that cornerstone, we get built up into this royal priesthood. Sometimes, though, we get the opposite message. Not that we're worthless or rejected or unacceptable. Sometimes we get kind of full of ourselves. Yesterday, I had a, a memorial service, and as I was driving away from the cemetery, I got passed by a Lamborghini. They don't have those in Minnesota. Uh, it was a very nice car, and I thought, wow, 
that person's done very well for themselves, I think. I think it was just like a Saturday stroll. Let's take the Lamborghini out. I thought, well, good for them. Good for them. Wow. Uh, But I think sometimes the world, instead of speaking words of rejection to us, the world can speak that somehow we have everything figured out, that we've got a great car, maybe a great house, a great job, a wonderful family. People say nice things about us, or maybe even some people become celebrities, and the world looks upon us with such adulation that people can start to believe that they are super special. We have an example from Philippians uh, that we just heard where Paul talks about his resume. He is sort of the prime example of doing everything right as a Jewish person. So it's not on the screen just yet, but if you go back and and read that passage, it says that he is a, um, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, He's a Pharisee, which is the highest level of sort of education and rank. Uh, He persecuted the church. He's got great zeal. Uh, He's got all the credentials. He's from the right kind of family with the right kind of training, the right kind of education, and he's done everything right. And the world would speak of Paul in glowing terms in his day. But what he says is, is, I've come to regard it all as rubbish because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. He says, you can take all of that. I don't regard it as anything. And he's sort of, sort of self-rejecting. So sometimes the world speaks rejection to us. But Paul also says, we have to be very clear about value. That even though the world may value your credentials and your background, what really matters, as Paul says, is the value of knowing Christ as our Lord. That matters. The rest of it, he says, you can regard as rubbish. It doesn't matter to me because I've learned something that is the cornerstone of my life, that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Then he goes on, as Philippians continues, and he, he uses this phrase, to press on or to strain forward. And he says, press on and bear fruit. So if we can put that passage up there from Philippians. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I've already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. So what shall we do as we live this life? Christ has called us children of God. We have been made whole, redeemed, restored. We are loved unconditionally, and no matter what anyone says or does to us any time in our life, that is our cornerstone. That is our bedrock of truth about who we are. But we press on. We live our life, and we bear fruit. And if we go back to the parable, uh, Jesus says to the Pharisees, You were supposed to be part of the kingdom of God. You were supposed to help build up this kingdom. But if you're not going to do it, then we're going to, the kingdom will be given to those who produce good fruit. And what does that mean? This image of fruit is really about the good works that we can do because Christ is our cornerstone. Because God's love has been poured into us, it comes out in good fruit. Galatians 5. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He says, 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We are to bear those things in the world. When we have Christ as our cornerstone and when we step forward as we strain forward into our future, as we live that faith out, God can produce these things in us toward others. Imagine a world with more love or a world with more peace, particularly as we watch the news and we see wars happening in the Middle East and all over. Imagine a world where you're more patient. I'll take a double dose of that one. Or kind or generous or faithful. All of these fruits of the Spirit, when they're at work in us, become cornerstones of our life and build up the very kingdom that Jesus ushered in. You are the hands and feet. You are the instruments of God's peace and love and joy in the world. So may we first receive God's word about us that we get to be priests. We get to be the bearers of the sacred and let us live into that and be a blessing for others and the world that God so dearly loves. Amen.